0: Welcome to Pocono Mountains Podcast, flashback to part of the Poconos past. Thanks for listening, I'm Jim Hamill. We have been tapping into some episodes from our first season, and this one is timed ahead of some important events and milestones for some of the organizations and groups featured in this episode, focusing on Monroe County history, including Quiet Valley Living Historical Farm, and it's two weekends of farm frolic the last two weekends in May. There's a lot planned for folks of all ages, and you can learn more at quietvalley.org. Meanwhile, the Monroe County Historical Association celebrated its 100th year in 2021, and it has lots planned this year as well. More on both organizations in just a moment. The Poconos is a year-round destination for millions, and with 2,400 square miles of mountains, forests, lakes, and rivers, with iconic family resorts and historic downtowns, it's the perfect getaway. You can always find out more on PoconoMountains.com or watch PTN, the Pocono Television Network, streaming live 24-7. That's at PoconoTelevision.com. Thanks for listening to Pocono Mountains Podcast. We'll have a new episode each week highlighting lots of the fun things you can experience while you're visiting the Poconos. Subscribe and leave a review and or comment on whatever platform you listen. Now back to the episode, and Chris Barrett at the Stroud Mansion in downtown Stroudsburg, visiting with Amy Lizer, who oversees the Monroe County Historical Association. Then Chris listens to some native music from the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe at the Pocono Indian Museum. And lastly, Ashley time-travels to the Quiet Valley Living Historical Farm, all places where Monroe County's history lives today.
1: Hi folks, we're back, PTN, Pocono Television Network. Very, very happy to be here today at the Stroud Mansion. This is the home of the Monroe Historical Society. We talked a little bit about the jewels of Stroudsburg in the Pocono Mountains. This absolutely is one of those jewels, the Stroud Mansion, just love it. Very historical, there's a great story here. Amy, who is executive director of the Monroe County Historical Society is gonna tell us a little bit about the mansion that we're standing in right now. Tell us just a little bit, who was Jacob Stroud?
2: Isn't this a great space? We love this building. It was built in 1795 and it was built by Jacob Stroud who was the founder of Stroudsburg. And he actually built this house for his eldest son, John. And John didn't like living in Stroudsburg in 1795, was a little bit too busy and hectic for him.
1: So if we came here in 1795, Mm -hmm. what would we have seen on this Main Street?
2: You would have seen five houses. That's pretty much it, which is really funny why John thought he couldn't live on Main Street. He thought it was way too busy and hectic and too many people. So Jacob Stroud actually built another house for his son and Jacob's next eldest son, Daniel, moved into this house. And that's who we focus on here at the Stroud Mansion because Daniel was able to live in downtown Stroudsburg with all of its five houses.
1: So one of the things that I remember when we had talked previously, which fascinated me, is how this house was built to observe something. Can you tell us that story, that's neat. Yes, that's
2: a great story. When the Strouds were setting up the town of Stroudsburg, they said that all buildings, churches, houses, whatever on Main Street have to be set back 30 feet from the road whereas the Stroud mansions can be right up against the road. So with this window right here, and it looks all the way down Main Street. So son, Daniel, lived in the Stroud mansion, and father Jacob lived on the 500 block of Main Street. So father could look uptown, and son could look downtown and make sure things were running smoothly in their well-planned community.
1: Wow, and and tell us a little bit about, wasn't one of the Strouds involved in the Revolutionary War, is that correct?
2: Yes, that was Jacob Stroud. He actually was born in New Jersey, and he was in the French and Indian War and in the American Revolution. And while he was in the American Revolution, he rose to the rank of colonel. Absolutely. And interestingly about him, when he uh, came, to, came to Monroe County, as a young boy, he worked very, very hard. And he started off with only 300 acres as a young man. Uh, when he died, he owned 4,000 acres. So he was a very hardworking guy.
1: Wow. And he would have known, would his had contemporaries at that time, would have been some of the founding fathers.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. We know he was very involved with setting up the legislation for Pennsylvania and actually helped write the Constitution. So, and he was also, he knew George Washington.
1: How do we know that he did know George Washington?
2: Well, we are very lucky. One of our prize artifacts that we have here at the museum is an invitation from George Washington, inviting Mr. Stroud to come to his house for dinner and it must have been during the first year of George Washington's presidency, using other invitations, and they were able to be dated. So when you see the invitation, you'll see it's just, it's very, very interesting, very simple, very, very simple.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So at that dinner party, I guess is, and that would have been when the presidential mansion was in Philadelphia. Correct, correct? correct. So he, some, um, Hamilton could have been there, Jefferson could have, any of them, correct?
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So that's a, that's a great story. Tell us a little bit about how the mansion itself was built here and the mansion we're in right now. It's something about the room we're in.
2: Right. This is the Stroud Room. This is the first room that people come in when they take a tour. But there are four floors of exhibit space open, and that does include the original colonial kitchen, which is one of my favorite spaces. I think nowadays when you have a party, everybody kind of gathers around the kitchen. That's the place to be. So I can't imagine what it was like in 1795. That's, that's where, you know, the real history was being made and all the, the town gossip was being had. <laughs> that's a
1: real, that's that's a must see when you come mm-hmm, here, but mm-hmm. to kind of, I would love to stay back in the 17 and 1800s, but to come into, into uh, where we are at today. When a guest comes here to the mansion, what specifically do they see on all the floors?
2: We have a whole variety of topics for people, and we really want to cater to everybody's interest. We have a toy room that features an, an old dollhouse from the early 1900s, as well as a Lego display for some of our younger guests, because Legos are pretty hot right now. We have a medical and medicine room. I said the uh, colonial kitchen. We have a textile exhibit, an early bedroom, which is a lot of fun. It's up on the third floor. Um, so people really kind of get a feel of what life was like in Stroudsburg and really all of Monroe County.
1: So if somebody wants to um, visit mm-hmm. the mansion right now and the museum, uh, or you, you have a website, of course. We do,
2: we do, Okay. MonroeHistorical.org.
1: Okay, and they can become a member.
2: Absolutely, we love members. That's how we got a lot of our support from. We have a lot of fundraisers, of course, throughout the year, but our members are really the ones that really help drive us and direct us as to what we wanna do, um, how we can better our uh, organization, more exciting events and exhibits. And uh, the other part of this organization is the library, the genealogy mm-hmm. library. So we have a lot of people that join that are tracing their family roots and that's always fun to help them do that too. So it's their their personal connection to Monroe County history, which I think is very important.
1: So that was the fascinating piece for me that there's so much genealogy record here just from Monroe County, correct?
2: Correct, yep.
1: So if somebody wants to do the, uh, get involved in their genealogy if they originated here or maybe even not, mm-hmm. they could find a lot of those records.
2: They here. could, absolutely. I mean, census records, things like that you can find on online but we have a lot of original documents that are not accessible on the internet so um, I always find it too interesting that people do a lot of research on ancestry and that's mm-hmm. wonderful but then they take that information and then want to verify it so they come to us for the original church doc- documents excuse me things like that baptisms and and records like that, so.
1: That's, that's really interesting. So in the, fe- or in the minute or two that we have left, mm-hmm. what would you want our folks watching to know about the mansion itself or the Monroe County Historical Society?
2: Well, we have been around for almost 100 years. We're gonna be coming up on our, our century of collecting, and I would love everyone to come and just see the mansion, see how beautiful this house is, and really uh, make a connection with some of the artifacts that we have. There might be some artifacts that you recognize from your own childhood that are on display.
1: And this is really, thank you, Amy, so much. This is really a a really awesome place to explore Monroe County's history. And as Amy had highlighted, even some of the early history of the United States and how this town was formed and really kind of where we are at right now. Hi, everybody, back again on the Pocono Television Network. Really, really honored to have with us Delwyn Fiddler. And Delwyn and I met a little while back. He's just an amazing resource for the Native American history within the Pocono Mountains. And actually, the word Pocono derives from uh, a Native American word, which is a a river between two large mountains. Now, we have a lot of mountains within the Pocono Mountains. But I'm going to let Dylan just tell us a little bit about his heritage and his ties to
3: the Pocono Mountains. Dylan, it's so nice to have you here. It's awesome to be here. It's an honor to bring forth the stories of our ancestors. Um, I'm Lakota from South Dakota. Um, but currently, the Tizins is we follow the Buffalo, and all the ends, uh, relatives came from it. We begin time of the early days into now, and I was gonna make that connection with everybody to education, but also being the past together to modern day understanding for the people to have that bridge to to bring to come together. And you and I talked. I, I remember when you had talked about the Poconos
1: having some type of energy in and. I wanted you to kind of talk to us a little bit about that too, the mountains themselves.
3: Oh, yes. Coming here is like a home. Uh, I feel really positive here, but also a lot of things that history had taken place here, through the trails coming through north and south, west and east, from from the sea to land, and then all the history that took place here, the Indian and Indian wars, uh, the gatherings and that took place of the the beginnings of the, what we call the United States uh, Declaration of Independence, um, and then all of the nations, what we call kind of the traditions, trails that kind of return what we call Trail of Tears. Um, that went south, that what happened in the south, but also happened up north as well to push back the natives that were here at one time as well. So there's like more than just one nation here, at, uh, that kind of going into the north, uh, or with this area of the Iroquois, you know. Um, but the, you know, um, that nation also has a prominence in this area, but also other nations like myself also still have that finding back to our, uh, ancestral lands, but also healing for different places, different times over the year.
1: And you, and you, um... Your heritage really relates to medicine, correct? Is that right? And can you tell us about that? That's fascinating.
3: Yes, um, I have a long line of uh, ancestral uh, from chiefs and also medicine men of my nation, of the good Nation, of the White Buffalo Calf Pipe uh, family, and also the medicines that shown from father to son, but also the oral tradition. So today, I'm still continuing that with all people, making that bridge with everybody, but also understanding how we're connected to each other, but also uh, the world and the stars above, and how we, how we. Um, being an advocate to how to take care of each other but also Mother Earth and then having that medicine with, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, having that medicine and then uh, having like a medicine pouch here, these different stones represent you but also the seven chakras but also your, there's a different note that we all have. So these medicines will come with what we call a medicine wheel. That yeah, you sell these different uh, places like the Ring Rocks here that you have just nearby, mm-hmm. um, different places throughout Philadelphia, but also Pennsylvania, and also mm-hmm. out the United States. There's just different areas they call the mounds, and and the mounds also is place that will guide you to different locations to to plant corn, uh, to 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 re you know to understand those different things mm-hmm. at that time to now, but also re, you know renew yourself on how to carry on for the future generations. Now you
1: you yourself have been all over the world. To talk about your heritage and to educate peoples about your heritage, and you had always had said, said to me about music and how you've used music to do that and how it as part of your heritage, and you had played some of this for us before. You have to. Tell us a little bit about what you have here, please.
3: Well, this one here, I have a drum here. It's a sign of the all buffalo. A right. friend gave this to me because she said, when you come from the Lakota and we follow the buffalo. That's what kind of particularly we come, come to Pennsylvania because the buffalo came this far. Cool. And then also, the this is a fancy dancer, but also interpretation. I'm taking it as the seven fires of the Lakota, what we call Hosecha uh, Shikawi, of the Petesawi, the white buffalo calf, white woman, coming come blessings to the buffalo nation with all the people. And through that the hand drum, is a heartbeat. So you have a a, a, a beat like this. or have a you know your typical hand drum, and there's different meanings to different songs. Um, but sometimes you just kind of have it sitting here, like just you know, just like that, you know. That's a, it's just a, it's a straight song to, it's a heartbeat, and at different times, like when people have like a new baby or whatever is happening within the people's lives, and I call upon for weddings, um, different gatherings such as such, you know, to new beginnings and in, in springtime, different weather to to accommodate with the heartbeat. This represents the heartbeat of the, uh, of, of the world, but also you know for yourself, the heartbeat of mother, you know, mother earth is heartbeat. So that kind of singing thing, so you bring that energy with you, how you created that. And in this here, a good friend of mine uh, traveled with me throughout the world, we call the Loon Flute, but he gifted this to me, and I share this is like more of like the copropilli from Southwest nations. But this is such songs song for a sweetheart, for recording, but also it's also education to share that knowledge. And I think that's the best way to educate people is to, through education, but also music and dance.
1: That's, that's fascinating. That's that's awesome. Um, we have about a minute left. I, I wish we could go on all day, but this yes. we're going to see more of Darwin in the future. We really are. But um, talk to me a little bit just about some of the other two. Um,
3: uh, uh, this is a double flute here. It's like kind of sounds on here. Um, this also I do for like weddings or special things on as well. But it's like a G flute, so different sounds like this. <laughs> So it has a different kind of sound on it, but this one's a double flute, double A frame, but it has a different kind of tones, but this one here, I particularly, I like this one. I do it for weddings and special occasions. This is all part of the courtship, but also friendship and trying to share that extended out to all the people of the world to engage in a song and dance that we're one, you know, one one big happy family, you know?
1: Well, I think we can all take a lot of lessons from that. Delwin, I wanna thank you so much for being here. This has been an honor for me, an honor for all of us, I think, watching here, at the PTN Network. Uh, this is Delwin Fiddler, so we're gonna have him back, but we wanna thank you for watching.
4: Welcome back to PTN, the Pocono Television Network. Thanks for joining us. We are going back in time at Quiet Valley Living Historical Farm. Deb, let's go on back.
5: I'm ready if you are.
4: All right, so first of all, thank you for having us. When we got here, I have to tell you, it is very sobering um, and rejuvenating to come back and kind of experience what was and that you guys preserve it here. So talk to us about what we can see and who gets to come.
5: Well, this is um, the mission of our nonprofit organization is to preserve uh, Pennsylvania's agricultural heritage, in particular the Depper farm that's here in Quiet Valley. so folks can come, whether you're school groups in the spring or the public in the summer, and you can see just how they lived. We do a first-person interpretation, so that means we're not just saying this is a spinning wheel, right. this is the loom. You right. actually see folks who are portraying family members living in the 1800s, yeah. going about their daily chores like spinning, weaving, cooking over the fire, gardening.
4: It's really great. When are you open?
5: We open to the public um, June, the, June 15th, yes. Okay. Checking this year's dates in my head. Okay. And uh, then we close Labor Day Monday. Okay. And we have special events. Um, May October and December okay great and you folks also have, can come out then
4: you also have kids that are here too right so oh, you can wee. check out the attire and things that they've done and they do yeah, right yes
5: so there's all kinds of old-fashioned fun
4: yeah
5: uh, everything from throwing a corn dart to uh <laughs> You know, playing with a jump rope, old-fashioned. I don't old think fashioned. anyone knows
4: what a corn jar is. Any, <laughs> my kids certainly don't, unfortunately.
5: Well, once they try it, they'll love it. Yeah, yeah of course. They play things like checkers and, oh, I don't know if you know what a thomiotrope is, but we're not gonna show you today, but they'll have to come out. I'm embarrassed and, to
4: say no. They'll have to come out and find out what that is. See, it's educational for all of us. Mm-hmm. So you have a ton of animals on the farm.
5: Yes, yeah, so all the animals that would be appropriate on a 19th-century farm, like the mule, the draft horses. We have goats, sheep, pigs, poultry, which includes chickens. Right. And turkeys and
4: geese. You have a little bunny.
5: Oh, some we piglets, have rabbits. Yeah, yeah, a little bit babies. of everything sprinkled
4: through. Yeah. I know. So on your tours, um, I was told that some animals were safe to pet.
5: Yes, there's usually, we're not a petting zoo, but usually there is an opportunity to uh, pet the bunnies, especially, or a chicken, and uh, get to pet the horses on the nose, and um, so, yeah, there's, you you won't be petting a pig, but most of the other animals, there's an opportunity to to get up close and personal with them. Yeah,
4: I love that it's educational and also interactive, too. Mm -hmm. That's actually a really good experience, it, right? It, For everybody. Yeah,
5: it is, we uh, are an actual nonprofit education corporation. So that is our main mission is um, not just preserving the knowledge, but then sharing it sure. uh, with the public and uh, schools, groups who want to come out. Yeah. Anybody who wants to come out, we're happy to teach you something
4: and you That's can have great. a good
5: time while you're learning.
4: Okay, so last question, of course, as a woman, I have to ask about the fashion. We don't look alike. But we could if I if I put on an apron,
5: you could, learn to cook. You could. <laughs> you could wear an outfit just like mine, an 1820s outfit, the oldest outfit that is um, seen on the farm. And it would be the, you'd have to have the fichu, the apron, the short gown, and the petticoat. And that would mostly complete your ensemble. This is the kind of thing that you know, folks would have worn, see, right? and so we wear it. Very <laughs>
4: cool. Deb, thank you so, so much for bringing us back in time. I'm ready to get educated. Uh, maybe pet, pet a little horse or a goat. Who knows? Oh, hey, thank you so much, great. Deb. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for coming. joining, guys. You're watching PTN, the Pocono <laughs> Television Network.
0: Monroe County is chock full of history within its borders, from farming to native peoples, and to the founders of the communities within the Poconos. Want to learn more? Head to PoconoMountains.com. Thanks again for listening to Pocono Mountains podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere podcasts are available and leave a review and or comment. In the 30 seconds, it takes
2: you to click, zip. (laughs) Or just fasten your life jacket. You or someone you love. Could be saved from being a drowning victim.
0: Our rivers and lakes are something special.
2: So are the lives we will save by wearing it.
0: Please. 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 Wear it. This message is brought to you by.
1: The Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission.
2: Delaware
6: Water Gap National Recreation Area.
0: First responders everywhere.
6: Upper Delaware
2: Scenic and Recreational River.
0: We're back. Thanks for listening to Pocono Mountains Podcast. I'm Jim Hamill. Now for a Pocono Mountains podcast extra, a story from last year from our monthly program, Pocono Mountains Magazine, all about Quiet Valley with Brianna Strong.
6: Nowadays, schooling is done virtually using the latest and greatest technology, but check out the classroom setting back in the 1890s. For this next story, class is in session as we take you to a place preserving the Pocono's
4: past. And here we have some utensils, scoops and spoons and forks.
6: Rachel Kresge lives in the 1800s and shows us how cooking is done on her family's farm.
4: Here we have a couple of kitchen instruments from things that could be found on the farm.
6: Although her performance is quite convincing, Rachel is... Actually, a tour guide at Quiet Valley Living Historical Farm near Stroudsburg.
5: We have family members who are pretending they're living in the 1800s, going about their daily chores and tasks and they'll ask you to pretend that you are also in the 1800s and learn from them what happens on a typical family
4: farm.
6: Quiet Valley makes learning fun for all ages
4: unlike a regular museum where you would kind of just be standing answering questions next to something in a case. uh, We get to interact with them and we get to pick things up and share it with them and show them what we're doing and let them feel things and touch things. And I think it's the best way to learn history. Quiet Valley offers
6: tours and events like crafting and gardening classes.
5: Part of our mission is to try to keep these um, old skills
6: alive and still in use in its heyday this was a viable farm with more than a hundred apple trees dozens of sheep used for wool and fields of grain crop
5: the two major industries in monroe county were the farms and the resorts
6: in the late 1950s new owners bought the farm with plans to build a housing development but after inheriting the old buildings and farm equipment they formulated a new plan by
5: 1963 the farm then opened for the first time to the public, uh, interpreting 19th century farming, using in many cases, the
6: artifacts that were left behind. And the Interactive Farm Museum has operated ever since. Plus, it's still a fully functioning farm with crops and animals, which kids like two-year-old Colton love. We get to see the animals, we walk through the gardens. Sometimes we get to pet the animals on your tour of Quiet Valley. You'll get to experience several old structures, including the family's original home and kitchen area, a one room schoolhouse and the grandparents house.
4: But we also do the spinning and weaving in there. So the textile work, Uh, we talk about how they would have gotten their clothing with what would they need? How did they dye the wool?
6: Quiet Valley's leaders say it's important to keep this history alive now more than ever.
5: Particularly I'd say in the last 10 years, we are getting visitors who really have no connection to farming. Prior to that, many of our visitors could remember their grandfather's farm or they had some kind of farming background in their history. Today much of that is lost.
6: But being rediscovered.
5: One of our goals is to make the connection from the past to the present and what it could mean for your future too.
6: If you'd like to visit Quiet Valley for a workshop or a tour, of course, the schoolhouse would be part of that. You can find more information on quietvalley.org.
0: The Stroud Mansion, part of the Monroe County Historical Association, Pocono Indian Museum, and Quiet Valley Living Historical Farm, all perfect stops during a visit to the Poconos to get a history lesson and to appreciate the lasting legacies left for everyone. We hope you enjoyed Pocono Mountain's podcast. Please remember to subscribe anywhere podcasts are available. Come visit us in the Poconos. Book your trip today.